Guys, welcome to Minefields. We're getting our groove back. Our shoot job has been killing us. Yeah, keeps on, you know, keeps on keeping on the, you know, life don't stop. No, it does not. You know what also does not stop, Mr. China Morales? New Era Alcohol Pro Wrestling. poisoning? That, no, ha- that, that happens. Yeah. New Era Pro Wrestling. A hot summer night. Saturday, June 11th. Tony, did you yep. know it is only $15 for general admission? And if you got a little one with you, under 7 it's only $10. Can you believe that? It's like a free show. That's pretty awesome, man. Freaking, you know, we got eight good matches. we got a you know, tournament for to get, get to number one contendership for the New Era Championship at the 11th anniversary show. I'm stoked about this tournament, man. This bracket is gnarly. we got Duff Doyle, Brumach... Daddy Doom, Maddie Scrumptious. We got Ham versus Adrian Grimm. Bruce Rogers versus the Lipto. All aiming to Mr. Kincaid. Yeah. Exactly. Kincaid himself is in tag team action with Junsu, reuniting the Night Terrors Ooh, against the Pillars of Destiny. Who just made their AEW uh, Dark premiere just a little couple weeks ago. That was good. Congrats, yeah. congrats to them, man. That's, uh... Yeah. That was nice. Had a great match with uh, Butcher and the Blade, which is awesome. They did. They had a they had a pretty decent uh, little squash match where they both got they both got to show show off their stuff and uh, you know obviously they you know weren't going over but even then like I still had my hope there that it could happen um, but they did a good job. I'm also I don't know it was awesome. I'm also not very good at predicting uh, wrestling outcomes uh, by the way. So guys, never ever bet on me. Well, that's very true. I've made very, I've gotten very many good comic books off of going going against Joshua Michaels in Prediction Warfare, uh, which is probably why he respectfully bowed out from this last one. No, <laughs> that was extenuating circumstances. But even then, yeah, that uh, man, like we were talking before we started recording, man. This uh, MJF thing here, like. You had an interesting take. Like, what did you say? Like, it maybe have started out as a shoot and then worked its way into a work. Yeah, it's possible. That's the whole thing. You know, for those who don't know, MJF has been having trouble with uh, management at AEW, supposedly about uh, his pay since he started out. You know, the thing about it is, is when he started out, nobody knew who he was. You know, he was. You know, still doing indies, doing MLW, but he wasn't by any stretch the. Uh, he he was more polished than he should be, but he wasn't what he is now. Correct. And he uh, he signed an extension on his contract, which brought him into he's going to be there till January first, twenty twenty four, and he um, you know he basically you know they bringing in all these new names and whatnot, uh, bringing in all these new people. Um, you know, and more people are coming in there making more money than him, and he feels like he is important enough of a part of the program to warrant a raise, basically. Or at least the respect of being there from the beginning and, you know, being part of the team. And, you know, just because you worked for WWE or this is your name doesn't mean that all of a sudden you get to be over me on the roster or get more matches or TV time. <laughs> I mean that's no. that's a, that's part of the narrative they tell for the TV. Okay, what am I what am I missing? What's uh, uh, as we say, uh, spaces in between there, brother? 
Well, I mean, really, it comes down to, you know, as far as the homegrown talent goes, MJF's probably easily the biggest the biggest name they've got as far as homegrown talent goes. He he shows that, you know, utilizing this process, they can you can become a bigger star, and that that's a big deal. You know, there's that, that's one of the big things that held Impact down for quite a few years was that they purely they they came off as purely relying on names from WWE as opposed to you properly utilizing their homegrown talent. And after a while, you if you maintain that you kind of come off like a WWE light right you know these these name guys come in they make bigger paychecks you know they get all the top tier programs and whatnot and it's 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 important to utilize these guys to uh with your homegrown talent to make them bigger stars you know and AEW to their credit has done that you know utilizing like Christian Cage with uh Jurassic Express to kind of give them a little bit more notoriety, right? And utilizing uh, Sting with Darby Allen, you know that was you know at one point that was a big point of contention with uh, the online community and AEW was that only Cody Rhodes is getting the big matches. He got the match with Shaq when Shaq wrestled his one match at AEW and. You know, all these guys would come in, they'd be instantly thrown into matches with Cody Rhodes. You know, uh, Alistair, now Malachi Black, and, um, you know, all these other names that he would just bring in. You know, that was like a big deal for a while there. And, you know, MJF is really, you know, the, you know, the biggest homegrown talent they've got, really, that wasn't, like, coming straight from you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling or WWE or someplace with more notoriety at the time. Right. And really the whole, like the whole thing comes down to basically it's like at this point we know it's obviously there. It's a work. People like they're talking about it on TV. He's doing interviews about it, obviously. Um, you know, and other, other wrestlers are, you know, mentioning it publicly you know i've always been a big believer as far as like wwe talent goes that um pretty much everything they do is you know most of their social media stuff is monitored by wwe so they know they don't let anything slip out that isn't meant to slip out regardless of whether or not you know it's negative about the company yeah they if there's something that's going on negative, they've done pretty good, pretty well at uh, keeping it under wraps. Or if anything, like what we're talking about right now, uh, you know, taking a shoot into working it into work. And um, I, I, I agree with you on this one. I think maybe like you know he might have said something, and I think I don't think Tony Khan would be someone that's obtuse that would be like whoa, whoa, whoa like what do you you know you know know your role type thing. No, I think he'd be like whoa, what can I do to make you happy? <laughs> I don't even think it's necessarily about making it happy. It's about making it, you know, dealing with the situation as it's presented to you. Right. Because, I mean, you know, he's been very public about it. And, you know, there's, you know, there's two camps on it. You know, either it was originally legitimate. He legitimately had gripes. And he just kind of, you know, he went and talked about it to get, to either get it out of there, get it off his chest, 
or to provoke Tony Khan to meet with him so they could you know, possibly renegotiate his contract or whatnot. And the other, the other factor could be that this whole thing was a, a, a storyline from the get-go because it all it all fits with the MJF character. You know, he he you know he thinks he's better than you. He thinks he deserves the world. Right. All that stuff fits right in with his character. I agree. They couldn't not do it. Yeah. It, it's it's easy. It's easy. It's you know. I know you you hate the term personally, but like the storyline, the story writes itself. Yeah. It, it's 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 all set up right there for you. Would it be so? It all it all works. Would it be the story writes itself, or the story begs the question? I would think it's the story. It, it writes itself. It's it's all obviously there because MJF, as a character, would talk about this anyway. Right. He would. He would always want more. He always wants to be the number one guy. He always wants to be in the spotlight. He always wants to make the most money. Right. You know that that all plays into his character beautifully. Like if we were having this conversation about you know Jungle Boy, let's say, mm-hmm. if it's the exact same com- this exact same conversation, but it was Jungle Boy being like, oh, I'm, I'm mistreated and I want more money, and these stars come in and they make more money than me. I, th- I think that argument would hold a lot more credit to it because it would be so out of character for him. You know, whereas like I said, MJF. That all makes sense from a storyline perspective from day one. You know, let alone the fact that, uh, you know, he, he mentioned recently his buddy Cody Rhodes in a promo. You know, a lot of this didn't, this, this all didn't start until um, after Cody Rhodes had gone back to WWE. And it's that the timing is beautiful. And the timing, again, fits into the story because freaking, you know, it's, you know, that those guys are. From what I understand, friends outside of wrestling, and he, he, uh, Cody Rhodes is a big proponent of MJF, and he really, you know, why have both sat down one night, thought this plan up, you know, let Tony in on it, and be like, hey, uh, we're gonna do this anyway. You already know I'm leaving. Yeah, but let's yeah. make this storyline to make to make Max a, a bigger star, because that's that's the thing. Is at the end of the day, for the last two weeks, all the wrestling world really cares about is MJF. You know, how much of this is a work? How much of this is a shoot? You know, who knows? Who doesn't know? What, what does everybody in the locker room think? 100% correct. You know, million and one questions. And the thing is, is everybody wants to know what's going to happen next. Hmm. Hence, where the, hence where the making of the money comes in. Because for the first time in a long time, it's not paint by numbers wrestling. How would you, you know, do is it? This... What do you mean? Hold on a second. I'm testing, testing, testing. It's funny the mic was just being a little weird. I apologize. Uh, what I was asking, oh, gotcha. what I was asking you, uh, if you were MJF, and how would you be working this? The way he's working it is brilliant. Like they're they're making it more real. They've gotten you know he did the whole the big you know the pipe bomb as they referred to it. 
um, last week in front of the uh, the representatives from uh, the TV networks and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, the TV networks are like, "No, we want him banned." And we don't want any any use of him, any message, anything regarding his face. We don't want him on the show. And you know, if this is if this is a complete and utter work, they're doing it brilliantly. I agree. Because the thing is, no matter what, you know, freaking, we don't we don't know. As as a as a fan, you can't. How often can you be like? I don't. I don't know if this is real or this isn't. You know, we get the. Um, I think uh, they had that thing on SmackDown last year, sometime where they, where Charlotte and Becky Lynch had switched brands, and they were both their respective brands champions, and so they were going to exchange the belts, and Charlotte just let the belt drop, and that was that was that was a big deal for a couple of days. Like, oh, how could she? She's so disrespectful. Yeah. Or the uh, or Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte again when she got into the, uh, the 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 fight with Nia Jax on a, on a SmackDown, and they freaking they they showed it. No, you know, oh Nia Nia no sold for her, and Nia took a shot, and Nia punt hit her back, and you know, and that's like that's that's cool, but like it never really went anywhere. Either one of those occasions. Come to think of it, it's really funny that both of those involved Charlotte Flair. Do you Maybe another, think, another idea for another episode? Agreed. Do you think this could potentially be, as a professional wrestler in the business, nineteen years? Do you think that utilizing the work in the shoot into the work is lazy writing? No, I think it's brilliant. If you can get if you can get away with like there's a there's an old saying that Jerry Lynn once told me. Um, I can't get you, I can't convince you that wrestling is real, but I can convince you that I'm real. Right. And that's where the magic comes in. You know, uh, freaking New Jack is a brilliant example of that. You know, no matter what happened in a New Jack match, I've known people who wrestled New Jack. You know, um, you thought he was dangerous. You thought he was, you know, he, you, you were sure of everything else was, you know, relatively safe. But then New Jack came out and you just weren't sure. Not with stabbing people. There's some yeah. pretty extreme things there with New Jack. My, yeah. uh, my big brother hated New Jack. But the thing was, mm-hmm. he would say, I know it's work, but he did it so well, I still hate him. Mm-hmm. So, and and that's the thing is that in, in today's modern internet-based society, this is this is how you freaking do it. You know, you you, you got to convince people. You know, using companies against each other. How many times have freaking since the freaking we were both around in the heyday of the '90s and the Monday Night Wars and all that. So we're we're used to guys letting their deals expire and then negotiating between two companies to get the biggest payday. Right. You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. It is you know, if you can get if you can get yourself more money for you and your family, get less dates, you know, more comfort you know, more comfort for you, awesome, do it. Ain't no ain't no shame in that game. But yeah. freaking, you know, in this day and age, it's like it's like we talked about when the Cody thing, with him going back to WWE you know, with AEW, you're like, oh, I want this place to succeed. So you've got emotional investment in it. 
and freaking if somebody's going to turn against the place you have an emotional investment in, well, screw them. You know, and that's whether that was intentionally what they were going for the whole time or whether that's a more recent development. You know, we don't know. But that's that's what makes it fun. You're 100% correct. And I was, I wasn't arguing against you. I was just playing devil's advocate just for a second, just, just to have that opposing view, just in case there's something I was missing. Because, I mean, like, you, you've been, I'm, you've never trained me in the ring, but you're literally training me everywhere else when it comes to business wise. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to question some things, but I'm not going to be rude about it um, mm-hmm. in, in any way. But, like, it, it it makes it so much more fun when you're when you think it's real. Yeah, it, it's and that, that's the that, that's what takes me out of like we've had that conversation about other aspects of AEW. It's a big reason, part of the reason I'm not a not a huge Young Bucks or Adam Cole fan is I just don't I don't buy them as athletes. Yeah. I don't buy them as professional wrestlers. It just you know if you do, awesome. You know, enjoy what you enjoy. Agreed. But just not not my bag of tea. That's what minefields is the whole thing, man. Like I love hearing that. I, I it's funny. I keep hearing it more and more. I think it's because you know we use that word so many times. I hear it more and more in discussions and podcasts. Well, that's the whole minefields on itself. I'm like, well, that's kind of the point of things. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, the whole point of the minefields is to have a, a discourse and a discussion. Like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, f you, Tony. You know, like, you you don't know what you're talking about. Like, oh, come on, man. You can't be one of those like loser like trainees that first couple of weeks. Like, oh, brother, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Yes, brother. And then like, oh, and then three weeks later, when you you're like, no, brother, I think I'm gonna do it this way. Like, uh. You're, you haven't had the first match yet. In <laughs> like, yeah. uh, half, half these trainees have a match freaking in the first two months, which is a joke, but nonetheless. Yeah. Well. Uh, but well, that, that that's that's something that's, that's a great thing to skew on is to have that sort of discussion. But also, like, man, if you're if this all turns out to be one giant work, who cares? The, the wrestling community is talking about wrestling right now and not about who's, you know, crawling into bed with who or who's sending, uh, uh, you know, like that whole Seth Rollins thing. Remember back in the day that was a big deal when he, he Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, we're talking about wrestling right now. I'm, I'm really enjoying <laughs> Hookhausen. And, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's ha-ha, but, you know, that's kind of my gimmick, uh, what mm-hmm. I like a lot, and that's, that's what I like, you know? You're not going to shoot me down for that sort of thing. And, um, but uh, transitioning away from this, like, we've got, we were, t- we were you, well, first off, you got a, you got one of the ultimate grails this week. Yeah, I wouldn't call it an alternate grail, but it's a pretty good grail. Yeah, no, I picked up a uh, picked up a decent copy of Uncanny X Men One Twenty Nine, which is the first um, first appearance of Kitty Pride, first appearance of Emma Frost, first appearance of the Hellfire Club, and the first uh, first part of the Dark Phoenix Saga, which after this I have officially completed. The entirety of the Dark Phoenix saga, which is something I never thought I'd own, which is tremendous. Is it? Uh, uh, forgive me, I'm ignorant on this one. Is it? Do we get first Lockheed? Uh, I don't believe so. I think Lockheed comes later. Is that Excalibur? Excalibur's definitely had Lockheed in it. That's when I remember first seeing them together. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite a few first appearances in that one issue, which is awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll look up Lockheed while, while we're transitioning here, because like one of the things is that we were discussing before we started, and, and is those how you bought a book, and then next thing you know, like a year later, you, you find out that freaking it's like three hundred dollars, and the speculation is ridiculous, and and you know how much. I hate speculated market when it comes to that because you're telling me there's a new gimmick. Real quick though, Lockheed's first appearance is Uncanny X Men 166, which I also own. I assume so. That's awesome. Yeah. No, what you were saying? No, there's a new gimmick for uh, like Black Black Panther number three isn't even out yet. I think it might have just come out, but it's got a it's got a new character that debuted in it. And speculation was already running wild about this cat, um, that he was going to be the uh, the next Miles Morales of what they were hoping for. And, and, and see, that that bothers me, because when Miles Morales first came out, they couldn't give those comic books away. I got those on, I got two on, two extra on discount at Speeding Bullets Comic. Uh, I gave one to Colin, and I think I sold one, but... Please, Bob, like, let their... I didn't sell the other one. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I still have first appearance of Miles Morales and the first uh, Ultimate Spider-Man where he's headlining it. But, like, they couldn't give those away. And now, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like... I mean, look at Miles now. I mean, like, the, watching uh, Into the Spider-Verse was so justifying to me because I loved him right away. Um, I didn't care if anyone else did or did not like him. But, like, that they... they, they they put a rocket on his back, man, like straight in the stratosphere. That's like probably my number two favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, awesome. But uh, uh, like, so I'm going to look up this new cat you're talking about, but uh, who's, uh, what are some of the books that you had that you found out were? Well, I don't, I don't tend to, I don't tend to spec personally. Like that's just not, not my thing. I'm more right. into stories I freaking have gotten into. Some of the some of the spec books I ended up finding out that I had later on, though, after obviously at that point I don't really think they're spec books, but uh, I ended up finding out one night that uh, I found the first appearance of Hush that I had, and not only did I end up having the first appearance of Hush, I think I had two different co- t- covers for some reason, which as you know anybody you know in the minefields galaxy would know, I'm not a big variant fan. <laughs> Thank more. you. But uh, I had two different covers of that. And then not only that, I think I was only like two issues away from completely having Hush, which I thought was hilarious. And I ended up buying the uh, the last two issues just to complete that collection. So I was really, uh, really enjoyed that. And I also had the, uh, before the original, the 2016 Suicide Squad movie came out, I got into Suicide Squad uh, with the new 52 because Jim Lee was drawing it. Yeah, that's the... And I had freaking, um, I had the entire run, but I, uh, issue one I had got water damage in a flood, and I ended up getting the, uh, you know, I ended up finding it later on for over, it was $100 at the time, and I just picked up a, a second, a second print for like 20 instead. And then I didn't. I was, you know, always wanting the first print. And then you had one, and you gave it to me for like fifteen bucks, I think, at freaking um, at your storage unit. 
That was so that day. was really that was a good. good day. That was a good day, man. Like uh, I should have given it to you for free. The, like we both lost like ten pounds in sweat that day in like a hundred degrees. <laughs> yeah, we did. Like, but that's yeah. when we found out you had the second print of first print of carnage. Second slash first, yeah. Uh, <laughs> freaking, uh, uh, the, it was all worth it to show you my epic John Constantine Hellblazer collection. That is true. That is true. All right, so it is. It is in fact real. It is real. All right, so we are talking about a Mr. Tosin Oduye, a new character slated to be in his own 10-page bonus story in Black Panther number 3, a Wakandan youth who is deeply skeptical of the approach that his elders and T'Challa have taken in running the country and protecting its people. Hailing from a village whose people shun the advanced technology for which Wakanda is otherwise known for, Tosin offers perspective on the nation's present state and its future. He's gnarly, dude. He, like, where, um, what was the... And I always, um, where they got the, like the the tattoos that like got the embeddings, the, the, the glowing ink and whatnot. Yeah, he's got the glowing ink. Like he looks, he looks gnarly. Like if if he was in, if he wasn't wearing orange, he would be the, one of the gothest gothest things ever. Man, this is gnarly. And I'm I'm reading this from Polygon dot com. Just to give, uh, written by Tosent to, to Egon from uh, Journey Twentieth, Twenty Twenty Two. Yeah. So if you. Uh, paid too much for this uh, and I'm saying like I said earlier like, I hope he pays off I hope your investment goes well um, if it doesn't I am going to laugh at you um, but <clears throat> not you uh, you didn't You didn't do the five I, I didn't even know about him until yeah. today freaking um, yeah I saw, I saw him online and I think people were talking about like whoever was talking about him was like I said talking about him was the next Miles Morales and people were pre-ordering that book and paying over dollars for it and then, like, right after it came on eBay for it for $400. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And that was days after it had come out. That's ridiculous. I mean, if it's worth it, it's worth it. Awesome. But, like, the last time I got this hyped into a character was, I like, I knew for sure um, that Kylo Ren was going to be awesome. And I, I remember thinking to myself, did you ever see the movie Fanboys? No, I have not actually. No, uh, it's it's an amazing movie about a group of dudes that are uh, taking their buddy who's dying of cancer cross country to break into Skywalker Ranch uh, months before a Phantom Menace comes in to get it to to steal a copy so he can see it before he dies. And uh, on the way there, they stop in Vegas and they meet these hot chicks. And uh, turns out they're prostitutes, obviously, because they're a bunch of nerds. And uh, their pimp shows up and he's beating the crap out of them and notices they got st- you know they're got Star Wars shirts on. And he takes his shirt off and he's got like all these Star Wars tattoos. And uh, he's like, check out this, check out this new one. And uh, and he he turns his back and he's his entire back is Jar Jar Binks and he's like, this guy's gonna be the. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, it, so it was hilarious. And I felt like I remember thinking like that won't happen to me. Um, yeah, that happened to me. I like I got home. Uh, my sister just got in. She'd gotten in too late to go to the uh, midnight showing um, from mm-hmm. flying in from Memphis. And uh, freaking, I came in all like red-eyed puffy-eyed crying because Han Solo died and I'm so upset and I just took my Kylo Ren off that I bought exclusively to be as cool as possible at the premiere and threw that right in the trash it like it it, Uh, right in the trash so speculation market um 
good luck, man. Like, it, I, I honestly, uh, I'm not like scenester wise when it comes to comics, but if I was, it's not a good look. Like, you, what, you buy every image number one because you think it's going to be the new Ice Cream Man, or uh, one of the other ones I got that is was gnarly that is worth a lot of money right now is uh, I Kill Monsters. I got that one. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, or uh, if you happen to pick up, if you're speculating that DMZ is going to pick up right now because Rosario Dawson is going to be headlining, you know, starring in the new show coming out, uh, good luck, man. Like, they haven't even mentioned that, that uh, Robbie's going to be even in that at all. It's like, it's the same setting. It's, a, you know, different characters. And uh, another one that I, I was thinking of, I mentioned, was um, Sweet Tooth. I had no idea that Sweet Tooth would ever, anything Jeff Lemire I, I absolutely think it merits being like on you know a, a TV show or a movie but I never thought Sweet Tooth would ever do what it did I remember seeing it for a lot of money the entire run I've got the whole thing I love it it's something else nice but uh, man hey uh, congratulations on your entire run of Dark Phoenix that, that deserves a hail hail Mellow yellow. Deserve. Yeah, uh, freaking getting that getting that one done, man. Freaking working my way down to working my way little by little down to issue ninety four. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll get it, man. If if you want, man, from for your birthday, I'll uh, I'll get real sick and uh, call John Cena and like, yo, this Make a Wish kid really likes wrestling and he really wants a New Mutants number ninety eight. <laughs> I would do that for you for your birthday, brother. I appreciate that. It's the thought that counts. You need John Cena, <laughs> and then you get it, and then like I'm like too sick to notice when he hands it to me that he signed it. <laughs> you just look at it and throw it in the trash. He, he didn't even get him to sign it as peacemaker. <laughs> That would I can't, be, lie to John, can't lie to John Cena. That would be an awesome gimmick to have. Issue 98 New Mutants, first pierce Deadpool, signed by John Cena, a.k.a. Peacemaker. And even, like, he draws, like, the Peacemaker, like, like, like... The, the double piece on it. The double piece. That would probably make it the, the most, like, either worthless or, like, milestone, like, most expensive. <laughs> like... I mean, if if you could get Ryan Reynolds to sign it afterwards with Rob Liefeld and just ruin the cover, it would be awesome. <laughs> You're not wrong. It would be pretty cool. Especially if like you got like a like an accompanying NFT where it's just a video of like John Cena smashing the like the the CGI cover and then like going into the crapper and reading. <laughs> oh. That'd be hilarious. That's a lot of gimmick on one comic book that's worth a lot of money. You're not wrong. Extra NFT if you got a video of, like, Rob Liefeld being, Hey, buddies, I'll sign it. I'm like, nah, Rob. <laughs> nah. We're good. Yeah, why don't you draw a foot on the back? <laughs> Poor Mr. Liefeld. Uh, we he got, just can't draw feet. He just can't draw feet, man. Like, uh, it happens. It's okay. Um, God, um, I'm looking at like this list, man. Like, uh, before we get too much into it, um, I was, I, I can't make up my mind about Obi Wan. I, I binged one through three. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? 
I have not. Not a not a huge Star Wars guy, so. First off, uh, I have never liked Obi-Wan Kenobi. Especially after, uh, I mean, he basically invented Darth Vader. Like, he didn't bother finishing him off. Uh, the only thing, up until they made this new TV show, the only thing that Obi-Wan had succeeded in was constantly failing. And the one thing he did that did work was turning the tractor beam off. That's the only thing he did that was right. Failed to train the boy. Failed to train the boy. Completely let Obi-Wan down. Like, at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, like, Yoda tells him, you know, yo, Obi-Wan's ready to communicate with you. I'll teach you. And this the first three episodes, like, he's, like, he's praying, like, Obi-Wan, I need your help. And, like, nothing, just radio silence. Radio silence. It's ten years later, and he, he's his muscles have atrophied, like, his force muscles. Like, little Leia falls off, like, and it's basically another ripoff of uh, the Mandalorian, well, I guess the first ripoff of Mandalorian. Uh, little Leia falls off a roof, and he barely can catch her. I mean, she was, like, this far off the ground before he was able to struggle to get her to not, you know, die. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, there was, there were some aspects that were pretty cool, like, um, they utilized the violence that they did in the old school Dark dark Horse stuff, and, like, the actual, like, canonical, well, the used-to-be canonical, like, uh, novellas, was how Mm -hmm. brutal Vader was, like, he's looking for Obi-Wan, he can sense him on this planet and he, he knows he's in he knows that he's in this little town and rather than like you know try to read everyone's mind he just walks through the town and starts grabbing people randomly with the force and snapping their necks dragging them like you know like they're on a rope in the back of a car and like grabbing babies out of it. like it was just it was it was a massacre he didn't care Oh jeez, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a total massacre what he did to these people, and you know Obi Wan still managed to get away without, but narrowly. Um, okay, I'm just wondering when they're gonna bring in Baby Yoda in this and Oscar. I mean, like she was there for a second, but like oh then I was uh, I thinking I'm getting confused because um, I, I finished Book of Boba Fett, which was gnarly by the way. Um, awesome. Yeah, Book of Boba Fett was really good. I mean, if you can put over the Sand People. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was good. Um, we've got um, uh, my buddy Cody told me that Ms. Marvel was gnarly. Uh, I saw that it got like a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes right off the bat. Oh, awesome! Uh, he really loved it, and he's really excited for the inclusiveness of it, and that it's not like um, you know, one of those cash grabs that we always complain about, you know. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, he he was hundred percent like, no, it's not that. And um, what did you have, man? Was there one other show that you were talking? We were talking about the boys. No, that that's what we were. It was it was yeah. The, the boys is coming out. It's coming out like the first three are out and. Yeah, first three are out now. I haven't got a chance to check them out yet, though. I, I like the show a lot. Uh, did you enjoy the show? Uh, yeah, I like uh, I like the first two seasons so far. Have been really good. Like I think we talked about it a couple of times previously. It's a, it's totally different than the um the books. It's toned down. I mean, like, like I was yeah. saying, like freaking if it's, if the books were a ten in terms of like the graphicness of like the unnecessarily lazy graphicness, like diving headfirst into, a, atrocious. Uh, what would you call it? 
I just yeah, I just I, I didn't enjoy it for it. Exercise. It was it was, it was it was unnecessary. Exercises and depra- unnecessary exercises indulge into depravity. depravity. Yes, just. Uh, um, okay, so I want everyone to enjoy it, but uh, if they know what Soldier Boy really was was like in the book, they'll never be able to do that, especially with Jensen Ankles and that. With all the, you imagine all the upset. Uh, supernatural fans, if like half of what he did and what happens to him in the in the book, like actually happens to him in the show, then yeah, well, it'd be crazy, that's for sure. Be something, yeah, that would be uh, that that'd be beyond. I think that would be beyond. Like, um, are you familiar with um, the rating system when it comes to like you know that like there's no real actual rated X. It's actually NC seventeen after yeah. after R and then it and then mm-hmm. and then it goes into triple X. I think it would be a borderline NC seventeen to triple X and even like dark web stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just a it's a whole lot of for not really much reason. I feel like. Yeah, well, that was one of the first projects we did. We we did the first six uh, in a little short box episode, and then. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore, and I was already like super deep into the books, and I was like, yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. Like, that's it. We don't. Yeah. Well, we're done. <laughs> like, no shame in tapping out on the on the boys' comic book because it wasn't that good. Yeah. So my one of the things, not my cup of tea. No, um, that's not hardly anyone's cup of tea, man. Like, I only, I don't think I'll ever trust a Garth Ennis book ever again. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's get. What do we want to do first, man? Uh, Shadow War Omega. Yeah, let's go into that, man. It's uh, got real interesting, freaking towards the uh, with that one. Yeah, for those who don't know, freaking uh, Rachel Ghoul was brutally shot in the head um, by somebody who uh, was claiming to be Deathstroke. Natalia was also injured in the attack, but uh, her her group is um, hunting down all of Slade's group to basically, you know, going to murder him and Batman and, you know, all his Bat family are caught in the middle. And we got, you know, these guys are, you know, we finally find out in this episode, or at the end of part seven, I believe, right before this one, that, uh, we find out that the fake Deathstroke was actually Geoforce. Give us the while, uh, give us the background on him because that one was something that even I like like I'm not the biggest DC file, but like I've never heard of this guy before. I love the fact that they integrated uh, the Leviathan story into this, but mm-hmm. that's where I knew a little bit about it. But I don't remember him being ever in Leviathan. Um, what? Yeah, the thing about him is he is uh, he's Brian Markov, and he is a Prince of Markovia, and he's a superhero that um, Batman recruited for his original Outsiders uh, group when he was ousted when he was no longer a me- uh, member of the Justice League, and he started his own group, which was Geoforce, Katana, Metamorpho, Black Lightning, and Halo. But uh. The reason, um, but yeah, Brian is a, he's a prince of Markovia, and we find out that the reason he is, um, after Talia, 
is that Talia, um, they had, they basically, the Agul's destroyed Markovia in the Checkmate series that came out last year. Um, but the reason he's after Deathstroke is actually, uh, goes back about 30 years to the Judas contract. This is gnarly. Because, um, for those who read the Judas contract, you know that, uh, Deathstroke was using an uh, an underage girl named Tara Markov, who obviously is Brian's sister, to infiltrate the Teen Titans uh, to destroy them from within, basically. That way, he could learn how to how to get rid of them. And uh, there was uh, heavy implications, and even a little bit more, that they were in a uh, relationship while this was going on, or at least Tara constituted it as a relationship. And like I said, she was, I believe, 15 or 16 at the time. Which still wasn't acceptable even in the 80s. No, definitely not. You know, um, and that is, you know, that's a, you know, and then she ended up dying at the end of Judas' contract. And, um, Gian, you know, Brian's, Brian's never gotten over that. So he decided to, you know, pose as Deathstroke to murder the Al Ghuls. That way the League of Shadows would come after Deathstroke and everybody he held dear. And they ended up murdering his son, Respawn, who was a, uh, genetically engineered, um, incubated, you know, basically his son. Uh, yeah, his son with Talia. That uh, that they basically that Rachel Ghoul basically experimented to create. And tortured, and the death of him yeah. deprived us of a probably. Man, I I wouldn't want to see it as a series. I'd love to see it like, you know, like a you know how we get like every now and then we get a good Johnny series. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see, like, maybe every, like, three years we get uh, Respawn teaming with Damien, his uh, half-brother. That would just be so gnarly. Like, you know, like a four-issue series, just, you know, get it if you got it, and and bada-bing, bada-boom, it's over. Like, but, like, that, they, they robbed me of that, so I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, they, uh, they try to, they try to stop Geoforce, and, yeah, obviously, you know, with his abilities, he's able to, you know, utilize all his surroundings to basically create earthquakes. And, you know, they end up having to, you know, Batman and Robin end up having to team up with Ravager and Talia and her, her people. And uh, Black Canary shows up as well. And they end up, you know, just, uh, kind of, they, they end up jumping out of the building and it's, you know, while the building's being destroyed. Only for Geo Force to come back as this gigantic um, ground-based monster, rock monster. Yeah, dude, it's the yeah. video game. You need a good, big, bad boss, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really funny though, because at the end, you know, we're still working on the trust issues with uh, with Batman and Damien. And at the end of the day, Damien's the one that ends up, you know. Taking him down, basically. 
the cojones on that kid, man. Like, just, he's the only, everyone was looking at this giant rock monster and like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And Robin's already swinging up on it, man. Like, the, nah. the, the cojones, like, they they killed his brother. <laughs> yeah. You know, he ends up, you know, knocking out Geoforce and he ends up, you know, landing on the ground and some rocks falling on him. But uh, Batman dives in front of his kid to save him. You know, and then freaking next thing you know, Talia's got a, a knife to Geo Force's throat ready to kill him. But is only uh, only stopped by Damien, who tells her, you know, tells her, you know, you know he, he killed grandfather, but he's dead. You know, we can't we can't do anything now. We just gotta basically we gotta move on, you know. Is this is this an established Talia costume now? Because it's not oh, possibly. It's not. It's, it's a good look. It's gnarly enough, man. Even Geoforce's uh, costume is gnarly. Like everything here, like like the artwork here. I mean, like the where we get the she's above him with that beautiful sickle, like well, like mm-hmm. sword sickle. I don't even. I'm not good with swords, but like like look at his eye. Like like he is he is messed up, and that that's that's something else. And and we got Robin. And, and and please, uh, you 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 started uh, mentioning it earlier because we're already at the tail end of this book about the trust that Batman reestablishing trust with Batman father, and then trust with mother here. Like you, you you've you've got something here. Yeah, I mean, and you know, the, no, the in the last couple of pages is Batman and Robin talking, you know, on on a rooftop. Well, before, before, you know, before, don't, don't forget, like, like he's like, yeah, Grandpa's dead, but like, but there's, there's some trust here with the mom too. What do you think here? Yeah, it's, it's all like this book has really been about reestablishing the relationships between, you know, both Damien and his mother, and Damien and his father, because you know, with Alfred, Alfred passing, freaking, you know, Batman and Damien you know, weren't there, you know, they haven't been around each other lately because Robin took off because it was his, his mistake in judgment to try to sneak into back into Gotham during city of Bane that led to Alfred getting his neck snapped. And he, he blames himself, you know, and they end up having this big conversation where, you know, Batman has to basically say, Hey, you know, I've never blamed you for it. This was, that was my mistake. You know, I should have been there, yeah, and I he, wasn't. He was off gallivanting with a little Catwoman on the beachfront, chilling. Yeah. You know, freaking, he's, you know, Damien thinks, you know, he, I didn't think you'd even want me back, you know, after all, after what happened, basically. And Batman talks about how, you know, he's growing up, and he's, he's proud of the man he's becoming. And then he, but then he started... In Clay, um, Batman starts asking him questions about this tournament of death he was in, and all of a sudden he's got a girlfriend. I dig that, man. You know? I, I, yeah. I, I usually keep stuff, like, I'm not comfortable. I mean, it's not that I'm not comfortable, but, like, it's odd talking about personal stuff with my dad because we don't, we've got a great relationship, but we don't talk about feelings. And, then like, every now and then he'll be like, you got a girlfriend now, huh? And this, this is, it's, it's such a sweet moment here. Like, tell me about this. It, like, with my dad, it's like, so you're doing this now, and then you've got a girlfriend? It was never tournament of death. <laughs> you know, 
You never found out about the Tournament of Death, huh? Never found out about the Tournament of Death. But th- this is gnarly, man. This like this is one of the most. This is one of the biggest payoffs for this comic for me. Was this like, yeah, we were getting this moment, and like there's a record scratch. Batman, Killer Moth is back. Teamed up with Firefly this time. I got it, Oracle. Like this one calls for Batman and Robin. And like absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know it's awesome to see them. You know on the. Uh on the same page again. You know, it's kind of the final, it's kind of the final big payoff from City of Bane. You know, because we spent years trying to get to this part, this point right. with them. Not, not, to, yeah. not, not to mention the fact that, I mean, like, it's been, what, a year and a half since he, like, quit Teen Titans, um, you know, quit Batman and Robin, and, you know, took off to, you know, we got Robin number one a little couple months later, and, you know, th- this was such a great payoff, and I'm glad they didn't make Robin too old. Like, like I'm glad he's not like 18 now or something like that. You know? Yeah. They can keep this going for a while. Well, and then we see the uh, the epilogue with uh, Deathstroke's men taking him into a Lazarus pit of all things. You know, trying to revive him, and it ends up, you know, gets uh. It ends up working, and he ends up coming back. But he ends up some, something in him turns the Lazarus Pit from, you know, the green goo it normally looks like, but it turns it black. And this has never never been done before. See, my confusion on this is I, I thought it was something in him at first, but after reading um, Flashpoint, the mm-hmm. the uh, new Flashpoint. And new, um, what's it called? I'm terrible with names. Mm, sorry. Dark Crisis. Mm-hmm. That would mean perhaps the Justice League is already dead. And the Lazarus Pits are affected by what's going on on in the, in the multiverse. And with death and like how all the animals are freaking out on like uh, Amazonia like uh, you know there's 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 like a weird nature thing here that even nature is affected by it like is it you think it's Deathstroke I hope it's Deathstroke that would make him more cool yeah I don't know because they talk about you know um, Prometheus says are we not preparing for a crisis and Deathstroke's just like screw the crisis so that would back up your theory that they're uh, that this is post death of the Justice League and then we just see that, uh, and then we got Deathstroke coming out here t- as he crawls out of the pit, talking about the you know, we have a new contract, we're killing everyone. It it seems kind of frozen, like like the, I think there's a there's a morsel of a hint about like life and death being frozen here because he comes out without without both eyes. Yeah. He should be, so like, it, 30 years younger. <laughs> well, like I said, maybe it's something to do with the fact that it's, uh, you know, the Lazarus Pit now resembling something more along the lines of crude oil than, uh, than you know, slime. When we are done recording, remind me to... I'm going to write it down real quick. Uh, idea for New Era. Okay. 
But yeah, it's just kind of like I said, it looks like crude oil and freaking. I think it's something to do with that. Plus, there's the fact that he didn't like. From all tr- tradition, as far as the uh, Lazarus pit goes, when you get brought back from the dead, you come out and you're crazy, and it takes a while for that that uh, insanity to subside. That is correct. That is that is. A and great he, he came out and he is. He came out and he's like, "We got a plan. We're killing everyone. Like he, there's no, there's no madness. There's no insanity. It's just we're getting back to work." Maybe it is madness and insanity, but we're just used to it because that's just how crazy he always is. Quite possibly. Anyway, it sparked a good conversation because this is awesome. The artwork in this last little epilogue here is gnarly. This is ugly. This is. I come up with a word for it when it's like ugly but beautiful. Like, they throw them on the ground there. They got them on that cot. That is hideous. But it's still mm-hmm. just incredibly detailed, wonderful artwork. Look how much pain he went through in that battle. Yep. His whole chest is blown out, man. They probably, they probably ruined his lucky shirt. I'm sure he does have a lucky shirt. I've got to have a lucky shirt. I mean, he's a sniper, yep. man. Like those guys, like they're like they're like baseball players or hockey players. They they've all got some sort of luck term on them. They won't do it. Yeah. Without it. Like a dove of peace. Like a dove of peace. God, that would be so cool if we could get a new mutants ninety eight signed by John Cena with a dove of peace. <laughs> Maybe it'll happen. Who knows? Hey, my, my, we might get lucky, and I can get real sick over the summer. <laughs> your birthday's coming up this in October. All, this is all. This is all part of your brilliant scheme to help you with to your get new, new to get a new mutant ninety eight signed oh. by John Cena with the double piece. I need two of them. One not signed, <laughs> and one made out to. <laughs> Tony Morales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so what do you got? All right, man, I'm looking over this. We got to go to Dark Crisis. No, we got to go to Batman Beyond. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... Flashpoint Beyond. Flashpoint Beyond because, I mean, like, what we're seeing, it's such a, like, where we have complained or theorized about what is canon and what is not canon and how the storytelling is taking place, especially within, like, the pages of, like, everything that goes on in Marvel. This mm-hmm. is making me so happy because, like, we, we've got people, like, that are in the lesser issues of the post-Tinian uh, issues here. Uh, what's the dude's name of the mask? Uh, Psycho Pirate. Psycho Pirate, so we, we we just got introduced to him. Well, not really introduced. I just got introduced to him. Um, we've got hints of what has happened. Yeah, he's, been around, he's been around forever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, like we're talking Crisis on Infinite Earths forever. I'm just saying me. We're seeing almost the complete opposite of what we just saw in the pages of... Um, sorry, uh, Shadow, Shadow War Omega... Where we've got a, mm-hmm. a great dad, look, and, and a mom. I mean, like, like she was going in for the hug with Damien, and and homie was about to go, with, you know, the killing blow, and she just went from hug to kick the face to the worst dad possible. This is yeah. Thomas Wayne's not very very good of a dad. When, when like, um, showcase fifty six, night June nineteen sixty five, is the first appearance of Psycho Pirate. In his current form, 
There's a previous. That's Roger Hayden. Charles Halstead, uh, Psycho Pirate, is from All-Star Comics 23, December 1944. That's incredible. Awesome. All right. Got to well, put his first appearance on the wish list. <laughs> yeah, that needs to be on the wish list for sure. Watch it be like $5 or we'll find it in, a, uh, in our, at our... We really need to stop telling y'all how we find our comics. <laughs> um, Screw it. Join in the adventure. It'll be fun. Yeah, join in the adventure. We've got the... We obviously go on the hunt when we go on the road and before we head to do, uh, um, you know, places. Definitely not late, accidentally. Um, but... Um, yeah, we're about to start the uh, the stakeout. Hit the yard sales and the flea markets. Find some good stuff. But yeah, flea markets, you find some crazy stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, do you remember? Do you happen to remember the name of the gentleman's uh, little institution there, and little kiosk there at the uh, Colorado Springs uh, flea market? I don't remember the name of it. I remember his name was Frank. Frank, huh? All right. Yeah, his name was Frank. Should we put that on the potential list of dudes that own comic stores that are gnarly that or that are cool? I mean, he's no wet. Who is so? He's no wet. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. He definitely has some. Uh, definitely has some unique stuff there. So, definitely mind checking that out again. That's for sure. Now, there's a couple things that stick out to me right off the bat here. I okay. Love, I love a good a good challenge when I turn the page, and I'm assaulted with words, and I'm like, okay, this oh. this this better be good. Time traveler murders. I mean, like, Thomas has all of the, you know, like, the clues he has of, like, what time travelers does he know of that are associated with the Speed Force that may or may not be responsible for this. And I, his, his guns, I, I just, I, this was such a, I love the, it's kind of an idea I had for an art installation one time. The, 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 the psycho got the you know the the clips on the wall and the the pins and the red yarn connecting this guy to this and the x because this guy's dead now um i popped for this for this splash page here um yeah no it's a good opening page man freaking and then you find out we see all these uh guys that have just been uh, murdered and we're not quite sure you know you don't think they're connected, but then, like you said, they're all uh, have the ability to time travel. We've got Captain Adam here. We've got Doctor Time. We've got Barry Allen. You know, obviously the Flash. You know, we've got uh, several guys that freaking who they should have been in the real timeline that he wants to get back to, even though it means his death. I love, yeah, I love like this is a suicide mission for him. This is gnarly. I'm loving this. Yeah, he just wants to get back to the regular time and freaking, you know, like I said, it's an interesting thought process to think of that's the time where he doesn't exist, where his son does. Which is interesting because it's, like, you know, as we've talked about, he's he's a pretty, like, the, the death of his son has horribly affected him to the point where he's just kind of, you know, Thomas, you know, Thomas Wayne's a dick. He's, he's a horrible person. One. That doesn't count. Yes, it does. Nope. No, nope. Abuela would, would abide by that one. All right, I, I will subscribe to Abuela Bloody by that one, because last time, like, uh, I said one I thought would, would abide, and you're like, no, yeah, okay, in hindsight, you're right, he's a dick. This is... So, he's a he's a horrible person. He's a horrible person, and, like... He still wants to save his son and get back to the proper reality. 
this narrative here is gnarly, but none of it will exist once I find the killer. I won't exist because everything around me is an echo of a lie. Nothing matters except the motive. Now, this is a lie on itself. What he should be saying is, screw everything, I want my boy to live. I don't care if this is the real timeline. I don't care if another thing is a timeline. All I want is the timeline where my boy is alive. And he, he, he says it right in the middle, nothing matters. I mm-hmm. he, he's, he's already assigning this to him. And we've got all these visual clues, man. This is, this is something like... like <laughs> This is what Jeff Johns is so good at, is the, the visual cues. There's something going on in the clock. There's there's a clue in the clock. I mm-hmm. love this guy's suits. I love the fact that our Pennyworth is the complete op- opposite of what Pennyworth would be. Is like that, that, that he's basically um, Igor from Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't trust him. There's something about this boy. That is, there's, I, there's something supernatural about this boy. I mean, yeah. what did you think? He's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, we'll discuss it later. He's like, about the kid, there's something wrong with him. Uh, he, he wants to know about explosives, so teach him. Like, Thomas Wayne's like, so screw it, I don't care about this kid. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's the thing, he doesn't, he, that's the, like, this is a, like a very nihilistic Batman. He's, he, he's got the mission. And then he, the, the, the rest of the world doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, we've, we've talked about it in the past, um, about uh, how Batman is seen as, like, the solo character, but he always surrounds himself with other people. Right. This, this is a Batman that doesn't. No. <laughs> this is a Batman that is alienated. This is a Batman. Like, he's got Oswald, who is obviously nothing more than his underling, his employee, and he feels a moderate modicum of guilt about the death of Harvey Dent to the point where he's, you know, taking in his kid. But other than that, he doesn't actually, like, other than giving him a roof and maybe some food, he doesn't yeah. give a crap about this kid. No, give him a slingshot, give him, give him a shotgun. Like that. Now, now, here's the other thing that just occurred to me about this particular Thomas Wayne, is that mm-hmm. when we first encountered him in Flashpoint, he had... A death wish. He didn't care. I mean, like he, like he, I don't want to say he wanted to die in terms of like where he was, like actively I, pursuing it. Yeah, but like if it did happen, it happened because the boy was mm-hmm. already dead. There was no hope of Bruce ever coming back. When yeah, when the Flash finally fixed everything, the 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 borrow your parlance, the the modicum of hope that there is a universe out there where Bruce is alive, screw everything, tell me what to do. Yeah. Tell me what to do. Now, this is him starting a mission. I'm back. I don't know why. Um, I'm still a, a, a extremely intelligent. He's, he's a decent detective. Actually, I think he's great. Um, but at the same time, though, uh, he's got... Now he's got... We're starting the story off where he's got a mission as opposed to fighting his crazy ex-wife. Um, yeah. Uh, help me out here with what's going on when he finds out that uh, Psycho Pirate is... Because, like, this is when I get a little confused because we read so many DC books. I'm thinking, okay, so we know that this is involved... This is Watchmen-oriented. 
Possibly. Like, the whole thing with Psycho Pirate is that even when reality changes, he, oh, he's the one guy that knows it changed. He's the one guy that, he sees everything from all realities, and, like, he knows the original reality. And that's part of the reason he's in Arkham is because, you know, he, he made, you know, made the mistake of talking about what really happened, and somebody turned him in. But, like, you know, everyone else just thinks he's crazy. But he's the one guy that knows that this reality shouldn't exist. Look how sad his face is in the mask as he's hanging there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then we see all this writing on the walls. And then, you know, we see stuff like, you know, Bruce is Batman, and then Thomas is underneath it. Alan with question marks, Wes with question marks, obviously talking about the flashes. You know, it's got stuff written about the multiverse. Um, the child minder has a lost child, uh, children. Pariahs like all the others. I don't remember Judy uh, Garrick. You know, I don't think I'm the real Roger Hayden. And then he's just talking about how there's more questions than answers, really. And then as he's walking out, he see, he hears a woman's voice saying, you know, why do you have the boy? You know, why'd you take my boy? You know, you have my boy. And it turns out that it is, it's Gilda Dent, you know, Harvey's, Harvey's wife. This, you know, she, I didn't see this coming, man. I felt like such a dummy when you pointed this out to me, man. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting though, because you know, and she knows she knows he's Batman, and she actually kind of makes a joke about how it's it's so funny that uh, Harvey never figured it out. Like, she's like, I, you know, I I I know you're Doctor Thomas Wayne, and she's just like, you know, if you saw somebody murder this man because Psycho Pirate was hang, hung in his freaking room, he's like, I need to know. And she's like, I don't want to talk about that. I just want to talk about my kid. Is he okay? And Batman just responds. You know, he watched a harpoon go through his father's chest. And the next thing you know, she, uh, she asked to see the coin because he had a, a chip from his casino, which Oswald gave to him because the casino had been burned to the ground. It was one of the few things they could save. And she gives him the, uh, gives him the coin from the casino and she turns it over. It's it's scarred and burned on one side. What does this mean right here? He says her when she's talking about that's how my daughter died. She hanged herself. Her body was cremated. Harvey wanted her in the ground. I wanted her with me. We fought about it, but I won. Do, am I missing something that I forgot about Flashpoint? Like, did she have the ashes with her? Um, I don't think. I think if I remember correctly, I don't believe. The dents played a huge part in the original Flashpoint, no, regardless. No, I don't, I don't remember hardly at all in that. So, I, I think it's just it, it's just a notice that they, uh, they had two children, they've only got one left. You know, but if you look over the, because uh, she's holding the um, the coin to her eye, and if you notice right then and there, the, the shadows only cover half her face. Yeah. Good point on that, bro. Good point on that. And then she turns around and she's like, you know, did you bury Bruce? And Batman just, you know, Batman just looks at her. 
You know, and then she's like, you know, the least you can do is answer that after what you did. You know, and, he, and he's like, what did I do, Yelda? And she's just like, you drove your, you drove your wife mad. And then we see her, you know, in, in Thomas Wayne's eye, he, she turns into his wife. Oh, this was gnarly. This was so gnarly, dude. You know, and she's like, and it started before your, your, your son's death. You know, we find out, you know, we kind of, you know, more proof to the point that Thomas Wayne, at least in this universe, was not the, uh, the grandiose benefactor of the people that he, you know, possibly was in, you know, Earth 616. I believe the term is a abusive philanderer. Yeah. And talking about his drinking and sleeping around and... Or did you just ignore her, you know? And I might, you know, and Gilda might even not even know this. She might just be throwing this out there to see what uh, gets a rise out of him. You know, one day you just stop talking to her, stop listening. You know? And then she just, she, she just kind of gets, you know, gets angrier and angrier at him, you know, talking about, you know, we all matter to someone, you know, not just you. Why is that, you know? And then she just turns around and she's like, you know, you were always a bad father. And that's what makes him snap, and he punches through the, the of her of her door, her cell door. And she looks at him, just smiling. You know, that's all you have. I can hit harder than that. Watch. And she just starts banging her head against the broken glass. And next thing you know, she's she's slaughtered half her face. And now we've got the uh, the two face of Flashpoint in Gelda Dent. And as Batman turns to leave, she's like, pain is real, pain matters. Sometimes it's the only thing that does, you know. My pain, her pain, and yours, Batman. And he he's just got to get the hell out of there. And he's, he's done. That shook him. Yeah. She got in his yeah, head. He, she got in his head like two fighters, and they weren't even fighting, and she won. Yeah. Seems like she always does. <laughs> You know, and as he's leaving the roof of the building, you know, um, you know, security's following him, talking about shoot him as he jumps off this building. You know, floating around, he's he's just like you can tell he's just looking to he's looking to feel something other than this rage, and he finds these guys um, trying to steal this woman's purse. Like and he just he beats the ever loving crap out of him. It's one of the best splash pages I've ever seen in my life. This this yeah. is if if you have a problem with digital art, people like old school fundamentalists here, look at this page here. Like the the way he lands, the lightning, the legs. Like like here's the thing here. You're looking at this beautiful emotive moment. I'm here to destroy you, but look at the mm-hmm. legs and look at the hands. In all, we're not seeing faces. It's very easy to portray fear in faces, but to portray fear in a right leg and a right trembling hand and some poor other guy watching this happen, oh my god! <laughs> like that—that that is that is some subliminal work there with visual, not just. It, like Jeff Johns could have interrupted this scene with a little square that says, "The criminals pause, trembling, knowing that their death is imminent." This artist captured all of that with no words. 
No. Did you happen to pick up who the uh, who the bad guys are? No, uh, no, I did not. I feel. Uh, is one of them boomerang? <laughs> oh, one of them. Yeah, one of them's Captain Boomerang. We've got Captain Boomerang. We've got the top. I believe the one with the rainbow jacket is Weather Wizard. So what is this like? The hesitation and Captain spot? Cold. <laughs> it's the it's the rogues. The rogues, gotcha. Yeah, it's the rogues. <laughs> Apparently, they never they never got their powers in uh, Flashpoint reality. Hmm. But yeah, now he ends up. You know, Boomerang's the only one left. Holding a gun to Captain Boomerang's head, about to uh, about to pull the trigger on him, possibly in Crime Alley for all we know. And next thing you know, we see somebody throw he's thrown across the alley mm-hmm. into a into a brick wall, and we see that Superman's there. He's been lost. When they say he was like exploring or something like that in the last one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Before we get to him, I really truly believe if that woman being robbed and holding her baby would have gotten in Thomas's Wayne's way, he would have kicked that baby. Like, like I'm not trying to be funny. I'm 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 saying that he would have he would have grabbed her and thrown her like like if she got in the way of his vengeance or not vengeance. Vengeance is different. Uh, if of his his temp- no, this, this his, is that this isn't vengeance. This is rage. This is a temper tantrum. He, rage. He, he yeah, he is pissed. That's what this is. New Two Face was right. Freaking Gilda, God, you said that earlier, and it struck this huge chord in my head. She's always right. And she always yeah. wins, like 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 she's such that like subversive character, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I wish she wasn't a blonde in this, but I mean that goes against all of my internalness of loving blondes. But like, I I, I think, and, and I'm only saying this because, I, like I said, I'm not trying to be funny. If that that poor lady getting robbed got, would have gotten in the way, I don't think he would have cared. No. I guess this is this is he is just wanting to put you know take the hurt he feels inside and put it on somebody else. But yeah, no. Superman stops him talking about how you know you're wrong. Everything matters. As his eyes light up, you know, and we get to this uh, the snow globe that we find out is uh, has temporal energy all over it. Yeah, it's from Watchmen. Yeah. Talk about uh, the time, you know, talking about the Time Masters and this kid, I can never remember his name. And freaking, um, yeah, talking about how there's, you know, there's temporal energy all over the snow globe and temporal energy all over Janie Slater's watch, you know. That kid's got to have some sort of connection to the the Harvey's kid. Uh, Yeah, quite possibly. He's hiding in plain sight. Yeah, but that's the thing is that you know we were talking, and he's telling you know Thomas Wayne Batman that uh, the owner of this globe is you know going to be drawn to the energy coming off of it, and if he shows up, you know we're all going to be sorry. So what? Uh, it's like summoning Doctor Manhattan. Quite possibly. If not Doctor Manhattan, somebody from the uh, from the timeline. 
Because we already got Marionette and um, the the mine. Mm-hmm. All no, right. it's definitely somebody big. Definitely somebody bigger than them. But from Watchmen. Possibly. Because that's the thing, you know. There, there's all kinds of people that can utilize time travel. I agree. I mean, Doctor Doctor Manhattan's obviously the uh, top choice, top and we haven't seen him since the end of a uh, Doomsday Clock. Correct. So it'll be real interesting to see if they uh, if they're gonna go there. But I'm kind of interested if they don't. Who else could be uh, utilized that way? I really think this is all tied in with Dark Crisis. I think this is a. I think that. Um, okay, so when Conan O'Brien left The Simpsons, mm-hmm. he wrote some of the most iconic episodes ever. But he also left a couple of folders left behind with random jokes that he allowed them to use without having to credit him. I think Tinian had a lot of things plotted out. And remember how masterful he was that, ha- like, three-quarters of the books we were reading in D.C. had something to do with everything that we were reading. Like, back to what I was saying in terms of the fact that it didn't feel like we were wasting our money or this was more canon than the other. Everything was more excited. There was breadcrumbs on everything here because when we talk about dark crisis here i mean like there's there's things that tie into everything we just read in um uh shadow war omega yeah and like and uh things that happened in robin a couple uh, issues ago um like um even nightwing like the, the 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 artists they even utilized on this like that that that's doing flash like, mm-hmm. like it, 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 it all ties in in, in, a, in a nice organic way. Like, yeah, it might not be the uh, same dude writing it or the exact storyline, but it ties in. I mean, like, I, I felt comforted when I saw the artwork in Dark Crisis because of everything we've been reading in Flash. Like, it was – it's not that I'm uh, – object to something I'm not used to. But the familiar definitely added to the the the, the spice to the the, the the freaking you know jambalaya there, man. Like if you if you go to like a a freaking uh, Cajun restaurant and they don't have Tony's mm-hmm. or, or Old Bay on the on the table, what are you doing? Yeah. But um, I mean, like oh, as as we wind down, I mean, like what do you think, like? I think we covered all... I covered all my bases that I thought on there, man. I mean, Psycho Pirate, that was gnarly. Um, the fact that we've got a new Two-Face, and I love that it was organic, and it wasn't... I didn't feel like it was some uh, industry, you know, suit being like, well, we need more female characters, so make Two-Face a girl now. No, how about we do something awesome, and it just happens to be a girl, and it makes it even better. And her yeah. her creation wasn't like some mobster throwing freaking acid in in her face, in his face. It was like she did it herself. Yep, that was gnarly. And that's not a that's not a that's not a two headed coin though. Uh, one side says Wayne Casino. <laughs> yeah, something just just different enough. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, uh, we, we unfortunately had a uh, cat being a cat for a moment. We had to take care of some business there. Indeed. What's, what's cat's name? Belvedere. That's awesome. Is that really the cat's name? Or you, or no. It's in the Cat Witness Protection Program. It's he's seen things. <laughs> he's seen things. He's he's got he's got people to protect. Exactly. Well, Mr. Belvedere, there. Hopefully, you never get caught. Don't get high on your own supply like that uh, dude from Goodfellas. <laughs> it's true. Till they get you. Till they get you, man. But uh, I, I really think everything's tied in Dark Crisis, man. Like, I really think everything that we just talked about in terms of, like, uh, uh, the Lazarus Pit, uh, what's going on in Flashpoint, um, uh, Dark Crisis kind of ch- chafed me immediately. Why is that? Uh, because it's too bright at first. Look, look, look at the colors. Like, oh, here's these this huge semi-splash page with all these little mini freaking like panels showing everyone being all happy-go-lucky Aquaman, Aqualad um young Nightwing like how bright and furry everything is and we go to this giant vigil which which also chafed me because like I mean we've already had the the funeral for a friend Hall of Justice, how many times has the Hall of Justice been destroyed in the last two years? I'm saying two and a half times. Minimum. Probably, yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone's out there, you know, cosplaying, you know, just, it's it's one of those things, or it's actually the people there, you know, I see Damien, I see, uh... Yeah, it's a who's who. They got everybody. Black Lightning's there, Mr. Miracle, Big Barda, we got Wally West Flash... Yeah, we do, and then we, we got, got uh, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold hanging out together, because of course they are. Of course they are, and they've got the similar you know, we got, costumes. We got now, Crush. Right? We got Crush. We got a uh, Aqualad. Cyborg Aqualad. But then what? I think we act. No, it's a Red Tornado. Yeah, we even got Plastic Man. Yeah. Maybe there's Damien. There's Superboy. Yeah, you know, there's black, just like you said, Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, where's Blue Beetle? Next to Booster Gold, right behind Damien. It's Ted Cord, Blue Beetle. Oh, okay. That's I was getting confused because there was the the two new similar costumes. Now, what immediately took me out of this like uh, retro BS that bothered me. Obviously, they have to have something like this. I'm not crapping on them for that. It's just more of a, like, I, I, I kind of wanted something a little bit more, like, expertise if this is going to be, like, our summer event. I mean, because mm-hmm. we're getting into that right now. And um, But then right back into, like, comforting zones, we get Deathstroke lighting a cigar. Putting, no, he's blowing out a candle. Blowing, blowing out a candle. Yeah, you're right. Blowing out a candle, and then we get straight to, like, okay, everything's kind of normal again, and we've got this mini Justice League going on, and all these little battles, and we get... Like, like the lighting is... The, the lighting is what's bothering me. And uh, to put it in perspective, uh, uh, rewind back to Blackest Night. There was a mm-hmm. very specific style uh, that they that they went for, and there's too many different opposing styles in this. I don't like. Okay, I can see that. I don't like how everything is so lightful. I, like, I, I, it, it. There's just something about it that's just a little bit too like, um, 
daytime TV for me, if that makes sense. Especially yeah. seeing Black Adam in the hospital, like like he like this should have started with him like freaking out that he's even was asleep in front of people. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm that's just my opinion, but like. Like the the quintessential scenes that you think of from from Blackest Night, where it was in a very specific style and a very specific lighting and a very specific color palette, that absolutely switched when Brightest uh, Brightest Day happened, and it, it was it was wonderful how they took that art aesthetic like and flipped it. Here I'm getting conflicting I'm getting I'm getting the conflicting crap from it, man. Like I I don't like all these giant statues. I'm already like it. it we've seen a lot of those. Um, do you think those had to happen? Or I mean, if if, if they're you know, it, it comes down to the whole whether the world legitimately believes they're dead or not. Yeah, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where the the question comes in. If like if you're freaking if you, you know if they're gonna come back because they always come back, then you know it's like oh we're just, we're just gonna sit here and wait for them anyway. Yeah, that's a great you know? point. That's a great point. That's exactly what was actually bothering me. That's exactly other than the color. Um, that's exactly like this is this they're yeah. gonna come back. These statues mean nothing to me. They'll be back by the, by freaking August. Yeah, you know we got you know then we got Hal Jordan showing up, which is awesome. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, yeah. We haven't, you know, he's been out space copping, freaking, you know, he got, and of course, you know, he runs into Wally West, who's, you know, who calls him Uncle Hal. Right. Which is, of course he does. Right on. Of course they'd be cool, you know, and he kind of, it's almost, almost kind of like he's introducing him to, to freaking Superman's son. It, like, the, at the end of it, like, uh... Black Adam calls him like son of Kal El. Like it's so just it's so dismissive. No one gives a crap about yeah. him. Like no one knows his name. They don't care to know it. <laughs> like even we don't know. I don't. I don't know his damn name. His name's Jonathan Kent. Close enough. Uh, he's named after his father. Well, after his grandfather. But uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, and that's the whole thing. Is freaking, you know, they this with. This with the Justice League being gone, everybody's every supervillain's trying to, you know, basically, you know, stake their claim. Everybody's trying to step up at once, and you know, the heroes that are left are, you know, having trouble maintaining. You know, because there's, you know, they're not they're not organized, and that's kind of what Jonathan Kent comes to is he's like, you know, we need to we need to form a new Justice League, a new Justice League, and this was. This was such a... I mean, the artwork's great. I'm not saying the artwork's bad. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, like the the build-up to it was great. Like, this, 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 uh... What was this, like, 16-panel? Nah. Mm-hmm. Country Before Multiverse. Heck yeah. Well, even, even before that, you know, we're getting the... The first meeting of Jonathan Kent and Yara Floor Wonder Girl. You know, and going back to Future State, you know... At the time, they were good friends. Yeah, they were. They they were they were the two that were fraternizing outside of hours because the Justice League weren't allowed to be, you know, social together. They were the ones that were going out for like ice cream or whatever it was at the time. And here, you know, if that is the future state, which is going to happen, you know, this is their first meeting together. 
And you know, that's kind of it's kind of cool to be like, oh hey, you know, you know she's you know, you know she just became like a Wonder Girl basically, and you know he's becoming Superman, and they're you know this is their first meeting together, and that's kind of a big deal. And then she turns him down. Yeah, and then we get the uh, meeting with Jace and Jonathan for the first time. Oh, well, I don't, probably maybe not the first time, but like where they're actually talking about joining the team. Yeah, and they're talking about joining the team, and he's like, "Nah." <laughs> the yeah, he's like, "You ruined what I was doing." <laughs> yeah, you ruined what I was doing, and Superman needs a Batman, not this one. And then I had to put the book down for just a second because um, he's one of the few people that survived Future State. In terms of like new characters that uh, we kept around, and I, mm-hmm. I, even though I really enjoy um, him in New York, I, I've always wondered what is your purpose. Like this doesn't make sense to have a second Batman, um, and they've got like a half dozen of them. Well, I mean, the, 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 yeah, but those the Batman. I get all their issues. Batman Incorporated is one thing, but like to have someone that's actually saying Nightwing, Robin, that's not, it's all it's, it's all Batman. It is all Batman, it's, but it's still, all Batman from some degree. Yeah, but even then, like Batgirls, Azrael, the Signal, Ghostmaker, Mister Mitchell Spicklick, <laughs> the Batmite, Shazam. <laughs> Shazam is a little Batman. But. I still, I, I just didn't. I, I've, I've always wondered, like, why keep him around? Because I, I'm, I, I can't keep someone that, even though he's really, you know, doing well in New York, uh, he's just not Bruce. Uh, that's true, but he, that's the whole point. He's completely different. This is a street level, back to basics. Batman that doesn't have the training. He's got military training, but he doesn't have, you know, going around the world and learning from all these masters training. He's not a detective. He's got a gnarly bike though, and I love seeing yeah, the scenes on his bike, man. Like, like, yeah. like, all like. Well, what I'm just trying to say is, is that like, I get the like back to what I was saying that you know, maybe Tinian had a huge map of things of where he wanted to go and had three quarters, like you know, a quarter of it mapped out. And they're just following the the script that he left there before you know he realized he could do better on his own. Um, the the story's still great. Everything's connecting, like we were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Everything's connecting, and like man, like what a I would love to see Jace be the hero of all of this, man. Like where it's not Bruce that figures it out, like especially because he. He bums out old Jonathan Kent there, and then we get to Shazam being like, y'all are just kids, and we get Harley there like, I'm here because whatever, I got nothing else to do. We got Damien brooding in the back. Uh, I love that Aqualad immediately said yes. Aqualad rules. He's he's one of my favorite. <laughs> Aqualad is gnarly. We got the Frankenstein in the back. Booster Gold and Brew Beetle. Like the, yeah, I, I wish the, the one person I wish they'd have brought in on this was Crush. Yeah, I, I want to crush. He's individual, so. Yeah, um, and then I'm thinking, and then we get to this uh, this scene here, and he's like, "This is no Justice League," as Black Adam says. The world yeah. needs capable protectors, not children. 
You're trying to run before you can walk, son of Kal-El. Like I said, he didn't even bother to learn his friggin' first name. You are not ready yeah. for this role, and you and I both know who should lead a new Justice League. We turn the page, and who do we get to? Mr. Richard Grayson. Yep. You are absolutely correct. This is exactly what should happen. And then what happens? Massacre at Teen Titans Tower. Holy yeah. crap. Like... Yeah, we see Chupacabra coming in just bloody and beaten. With an IUD <laughs> strapped to him. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Giant boom. Yeah. I mean, Dick's holding him. And then, like, you know, just assault on it. And, like, it's going to be, what does he say, uh, Deathstroke say? Leave the teachers to me. And yep. And then we see you know, Beast Boy right there and this whole issue we've seen all these sights on all these different characters and then we see Deathstroke with a gun you know two inches from Beast Boy's head we see it we see the sight again and then bang execution style yeah. like what does he say that the Teen Titans Tower will be a bloody uh... excuse <coughs> It'll be a bloody warning to anybody who tries to pick up a torch and put on a costume. Gnarly. Of all the Sorry. places, they, like, and, and then, like, I, I wonder if they hesitated to release this. Why do you say that? It's a massacre at a school. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit. It's a massacre. It's a massacre at a school. Um, made to be a bloody point of contention and screw you. Like, what's the worst way you can hurt a society? I mean, like, yeah, you can... I mean, 9-11 was one thing, but if it was, like, two towers... If, if the two towers were, like, two giant, like, you know, like, towers of, a, you know, like a daycare. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like you, when, yeah. you, when you kill children, that's different. Yeah, no, I got you. There, there's no like, like if you've got a problem in the government, yeah, people have problems with governments. People don't have problems with kids, and this was yeah. pretty, this was pretty bad. And, and help me out here. Um, I'm not familiar with this gentleman here. At the end, he was at the beginning of. Uh, that's that's Pariah. Road to Dark Dark Crisis, right? He's yeah, this is this is Pariah. He's from he's another one from uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. The whole thing is he witnessed the uh, he he's forced to witness the fall of all the multiverse, little by little, one uh, one universe at a time. And that's you know he created this machine to destroy. That is what killed the Justice League in the first place, and now he's going to use the deaths of the Justice League to destroy the multiverse. This is a great so apparently now he is, yeah, he's basically, he's given to the dark side and, you know, the dark side of the DC universe is always uh, pretty crazy. I feel like he's captured the deaths of all of our favorite heroes within the Justice League within like a repetitive bubble, like, like where it's con like continuing energy of their deaths over and over and over. Quite possibly. I'm not sure about the, uh. The machine in question, but I'm I'm thinking it's the Mobius chair. 
And we have not we have not encountered Mr. Miracle. We have not encountered Mr. Miracle, and we also have to remember that Miss Amanda Waller has walled off her specific Earth from everything. And we yeah. and we still don't know why she's doing it. That is true. Yeah, because I'm about to, about to figure out. Yeah, I hope I'm not armchair booking it, but man, if the freaking Suicide Squad of uh, Amanda Waller's world there saves the day, I'm not going to, I have no contention on that, man. Like, just, I want more Amanda Waller. <laughs> want more Amanda Waller. Um, this is a great splash page at the end. I really think that he's captured their deaths in a repetitive bubble because it would it would entice that emotive quality. And if, I mean, the death of Superman, he's known throughout the multiverse. Yeah. Most, a lot of these guys are. And if, I mean, it's like a, if you're continuously capturing the mutilation of a symbol of an idea, I mean, that, I mean, this isn't Marvel, man. This isn't like where they, they have like, he's got some secret gem or something like that. I hope he doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. we've got better stories to tell. We've got more emotive qualities to explore and characters to develop, not just like some ridiculous 11th hour BS that comes out of nowhere. I mean, like, I mean, think about how long the buildup for the ending of uh, Blackest Night was. I mean, like, like I didn't, I, in hindsight, we should have seen that it was Sinestro that was going to be the white, the white lantern. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. uh, the buildup to it, uh, the character development, what he went through throughout Blackest Night made it se- made sense. And we don't know if we're going to be okay with this guy at the end. Yeah. I don't know. I really wouldn't mind if they just freaking got rid of him for like a year. I wouldn't mind it either, just, man. But just build it up, build it up for a year, and freaking let uh, let these new freaking heroes flourish a little bit. But the death would be of, interesting. But the death of we don't know who's dying at Teen Titan Tower, man. Like, uh, I really think that they're gonna have to like maybe change some things, and I don't, I don't want them to. Um, but like that, you know, there is a, like, uh, I remember, uh, I started watching Str- the latest issue uh, episodes of, uh, Stranger Things and there was, uh, uh, a disclaimer at the beginning because of the latest school shooting and, uh, there is some violence at a school. We're warning you before this happens. And, um, I mean, it's not like they can reshoot things and like edit things out. I mean, they can probably use some footage that they didn't, you know, didn't use originally to like tone things down but this is a comic man this book isn't probably like the the last page of this book was probably drawn back in December yep but um you know I I, I liked it I just I, I hope that we get the same sort of reverberations and meaningfulness and amazing art that we got out of such great epic stories as uh, you know Flashpoint Brightest Day you know the, yeah, no. it'll, be it'll be interesting to see where this really stands out over the other crisis events over the years like if this is going to be a uh, one we're going to remember fondly when it's done or one we're going to look back and be like oh that was a waste of time like so far it's doing really good Right, but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see freaking who they uh, you know what happens at the end of things. 
or in the middle. Like, you know, how are you know how are they how are they going to bring the heroes back? It'd be real interesting to see how they do that. No, it's it it is going to be real interesting. They 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 haven't let us down in quite a long time. Yeah. And your cat keeps staring at me, man. Eyes keep lighting up. She's looking at me right now, like with devil yep. eyes. <laughs> Good old Belvedere. Good old Belvedere. Uh, may the people that you have ratted out rot in jail <laughs> and your family be safe. Kind of funny how she's on camera when... She's in the witness protection program. Yeah, I know, right? But yeah. What if? Yeah, that's 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 a nah, we, you. We already you already dyed her hair and trimmed her beard and it's all right. She's unrecognizable. Be right. Uh, last book, man. I'm thinking Batman. Though actually, that's the last one I planned because I wanted I wanted to do a couple other books. I wanted to do mm-hmm. Turtles, but it, it it falls into the same reason why I don't want to do the Scorched uh, or the latest issue of uh, Little Monsters uh, is like we're culminating on like a, a major arc and like doing right beforehand. It's been a mm-hmm. while, it's been a while since it did the Scorch and I, well, I told you why I can't do Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. So we gotta save that for Dark and um, mm-hmm. absolutely have to save that one for Dark. That one was anyway. Yeah, we got Batman. intense. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, take take uh, take point on Batman number one twenty four, bro. Alrighty. So we're back in Badnesia. <laughs> we had a uh, got a uh, couple leaving the mat with the mark of Zorro, and they go into an alleyway, and then we turn around and there's abyss, and they start running, and as we hear screams, a woman's pearl necklace is broken. Right. We obviously know where that's headed. And we go to a, we go to Gotham City where Oracle's talking about where everybody's at at the moment. He's talking to Bruce, going off on uh, how Abyss has appeared back in Badnesia, and they're back to their old tricks. And she's like, you know, if you want, you know, I can alert Batman Inc. to investigate, but you're already there, aren't you? And next thing we can see Batman zooming down the streets of Badnesia. And, what and, the, the, and his motorcycle. What like I wonder if this was like like a inside office joke. Who can make a cooler bat cycle? That's a pretty dope bat cycle. That's I'm not a, gonna lie. That is a dope bat cycle. <laughs> but yeah, now he's uh, heading towards the uh, LexCorp building. Apparently, it's been destroyed, and all the uh, all the bat clones are gone. And we turn around, and there's Abyss. And Batman's just like, you're not getting away again. You know, after our last fight, I'm prepared for you. He throws a, a battering with a flash bulb in it. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that uh, Abyss is a uh, detective Kaya, who was the detective that helped Batman catch um, Abyss in the first place. Dun dun dun. And it turns out she is pretending to be Abyss. To find out about her parents' disappearance, because they were protest organizers, and they they went missing, and nobody knows what happened to them. 
which uh, utilizing the identity of Abyss, Detective Kaya was able to get the um, get information as to the whereabouts of the hitman who took out her parents. Now, here's yeah. before she before she reveals that she mentions that she's the one that helped destroy LexCorp Tower in Badgerpur. <laughs> Uh, or whatever it's called. Um, Badnesia. Badnesia. And this is obviously a complete rack- knockoff of Madripoor and just Freudian slip there that just is correct. Uh, I thought it was the Suicide Squad that did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that's okay. That's okay. Someone was uh, fell asleep with the uh, Tinian note taken before he left meeting. But the man, this artwork is gnarly. The, the this is. Uh, no, it's, it's really yeah, it's really good. It's really really detailed. Detailed is definitely the word I would go with for it's it. Not, it's not just detailed, but like like when she's about to kill the guy that she knows killed her parents or has something to do with it. The the uh, the. It's not a stoic look on Bass's face, and this is difficult because all we see are the slits of eyes. It's it's like when, it's like trying to take pictures of a of a, uh, a luchador. Um, mm-hmm. I always had to remind him it's in the eyes. It's in the eyes. This is, uh, this is the rest that we'll see is right here, and like the 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 look in his eye. Like do what you want to do, man. I don't care. I'm not gonna stop. Yeah. He, he like th- there was no bubble necessary to describe that. It was in his eyes and the way he's looking at it. And she's like, screw it. I'm going to keep going. And yeah, her whole plan is to kill the, uh, you know, kill the guy that killed her parents. And he, she's like, that's why I tried to run, because I knew you'd stop me. And instead of telling her he's going to stop her, Batman goes into his own history. And how he snuck into Blackgate to find the... Uh, the man that murdered his parents just to look him in the eye because he knew he was going to do what he had to do. But at the end, he, he couldn't. Right. Uh, at the end, he ended up making a choice. And then she's like, and he looks at her and she's like, no, the same choice you're making now. And she's like, I know where he is. I'm going to go get him as abyss. You know, either you're going to come with me or you're not. You know, I'm doing this with or without you. And they end up going to this seedy bar in the middle of Badnesium Mapor. Badnesium Mapor. <laughs> um, Batman, Batman's sitting there fighting with her as she ends up finding the assassin that did it. You know, and she's like, you know, where are they? You know, where, where are the bodies? And he's just like, yeah, this was a long time ago. They're dead and buried. What do you want from me? Now, this is interesting. Um, that is a direct direct copy of the Pompeii Lovers. The, uh, oh, the, uh, the bones? The bones. And, and it's within a heart, too. Mm-hmm. That it is. But uh, going backwards, you know, she's going to kill him. And Batman is just, you know, standing there watching. And she's just... she. She's like, I'll do it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. Yeah, and he just stands there and lets her. And you know, they end up revealing that she found, they found the bodies, right where he said they were. And as they were hauling them off to jail, 
you know, she looks at Batman and she's just like, why didn't you stop me? And he's just like, you know, and if I had, he would have just, he would have done it. He would have eventually gotten him. There's nothing I could do. I can't watch you 24-7. You know, you you had to do it. You had to come to this realization for yourself, basically. And then he ends up, uh, you know, she ends up looking at him like, you know, does your offer still stand? And he ends up giving her a card for Batman Inc. I thought it was more of a, uh, like the Batman Inc. like standard issue iPhone. Yeah, that's the Batman credit card from Batman and Robin. <laughs> Never leave him without it. But yeah, no, the uh, the whole thing is, you know, basically I'm you know, looking for her to possibly join the uh, the Batman Inc. organization. And then, you know, as he's leaving, getting ready to leave, she's like, you know, did you do it? Did you, uh, did you kill him? And she's this, and he's just like, no. And she's like, why not? And then he's like, because in that moment when I started, when I started in the dark. I saw something that scared me. And, you know, he's like, I saw myself as he, you know, jumps off the ledge. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if I, you know, I could have done it. And that's, you know, that scared him, basically. Yeah, it's one of the things that's, like, integrated in the bat culture is, are you looking in the mirror when you get your hair done in the morning, when you fix your hair in the morning, or uh, are you dressing up as a crazy vigilante and still not doing it and not admitting to yourself who you really are? And no. he, if he had stopped her, he's correct. She would have that that vengeance would have kept, like it would have been hyper fuel on it. Like I'll I'll kill him eventually, but yeah. his disapproving looks of sorrow, like please don't like don't do it. It, I mean, there's, it's a, there was a subtlety in his way of stopping her. There was an artwork into it, and mm-hmm. and Howard Porter and Jorge Fiornes like this. Like I knew it was, there's two different styles going on here. They did not clash, which usually bothers me when they've got two people doing a book, especially when it's a major book like this, because uh, it's disjointing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like these two, these two gentlemen, they 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 hammered it out. Like this was like another great splash page. You know, I saw myself, and we get the rain. Like there's so much detail to the bat suit. Like the I love when they add the extra um, tread to his boots. Uh, I don't. I, mm-hmm. there, there's something about that that just like. It always bothers me when I see that like Spider Man basically is wearing keds underneath his 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 tidy spideys, and uh, like he's he's not actually touching the brick. There's cloth between like, <laughs> um, but like the, the the attention to detail here, beautiful beautiful shot, the bats going behind him. Um, how? In hindsight, it's been what, like four months since Tinian finished? Maybe mm-hmm. five? Actually, that was like what? That was back in February, I think. So, like, yeah, five. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, now that we're getting a new Bat story, obviously they're going to have some big breakthrough in our new Crisis book and Flashpoint book. But uh, how do you. I mean, I wanted to ask you this all day. How do you rank what we've been reading? I mean, like the art, the, the siege on Arkham Tower was actually pretty gnarly. Um, yeah, the siege, the siege is really good. It's um, 
It's interesting because it's almost to an in Detective. It was more almost to the uh, like a reverse Tinian, where they because Tinian was constantly creating these new characters, and like, but Arkham Tower really focused on a very rarely used character in Psycho Pirate. Right. You know, last time we saw him was before. Um. Tinian took over back in, uh, he was used in City of Bane. Right. And that was Tom King's run. So, like, I say that, but then, you know, we got Abyss, who's a brand new character. And Abyss has been pretty cool so far, so I'm interested to, to see where that's going. And I, I don't believe I've ever seen Badnesia used previously. So that might be a brand new location, which is awesome. Badnesia, I dig it. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it's it's good, man. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not sure if I dig it as much as I dug Tinian. I definitely, but it's definitely it. been it's definitely been it's definitely been a solid run so far. That's funny. That that that's what I was looking for. Is I definitely would not did not dig it as much as Tinian. I mean, we got we got spoiled for a while, Tinian. <laughs> like like there's there's no doubt how spoiled we were with what we were reading with Tinian, and mm-hmm. and in hindsight, like. It was one of those things where I would read it and I'd be like, okay, not Tinian, not Tinian. But like, that's not fair. That's yeah. Not if you're if you're just coming off like like I said, this is a brand new run. You gotta, so like, it's not it's not fair to be like we I watched this guy for years and I really enjoyed all his stuff, but this new guy comes in and it's like ah yeah, that, that's not not the same. That, that, that's not fair. I mean, that, that's depriving you of enjoying something that is awesome that you're witnessing because, like, you, it's not the same, like, like the same thing that you could order off the menu that you always used to. And then, like, nope. it, that, that would be, like, denying Villy version 1.2. 5.2. Dang it. I always mess it up. I know. That's why I was... Waiting for the dramatic pause. Yes. Uh, I want to see if you pull it off. That would be denying his epic run already in newer. It's only been... He's only had, what, like three matches? And... Mm. Like, okay, so he's not your your favorite wrestler because he's not as big or he's got a different gimmick. That's not fair. Like, Like, there's a reason why the crowd goes absolutely crazy. There's a reason why all of his tickets... Disappeared. Yeah, yeah. But uh, people dig him. And if if you're if you would have made the possible mistake I would have made of writing these people off because it's not Tinian, it would have been depriving myself of an amazing story of the the siege of Markham Tower. That was so good, man. There was uh, yeah. like I like you even put the wool over my eyes when I'm like. Like, like, remember all the inmates are like, that's not Harley. That's not Harley. Yeah, that was absolutely Harley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was absolutely Harley. That was hilarious. And it was fun. And it, it added the joke to her brutalness when she was like, nah, I'm Harley. Like, this. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we've got. It was good, man. We got freaking, we got issue 125 next month. So that'll hopefully be, uh, you know, an anniversary style issue. So we'll hopefully get some good stuff. Yeah. We're starting, yeah. Uh, I said that was the finale of Abyss, so we're going to start a brand new story arc starting next month, so... I'm, I'm looking Hopefully we'll start off with a bang. 
I agree. We've got Batman Incorporated coming, uh, headed by freaking uh, Ghostmaker. We've got a potential Batman and Robin probably at the end of the summer when they things simmer down after a Dark Crisis. Um, yep. Uh, like, you know, the sky's the limit on this, man. Like, and uh, sorry for you minefielders that were hoping that we would pay attention to any of these Marvel books going on. We've got an epic episode coming up once uh, Mr. Colin is off the uh, the streets uh, pushing the limits, working on his uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, TV show, King of Tulsa. Uh, it's really, it's got his nose to the grindstone, man. Like, it is a serious limit-pushing thing for him, man. Him and, him and his mm-hmm. girlfriend are both working on it together, and... It's, uh, he's just, he's aching to come back, and but even then, we've got, a uh, an epic New Era show coming up, not that any of them are not epic, but they're always better than the last, and looking to see Mr. Billy 5.2. Oh, you were so close. <sighs> anyway, I put him on the flyers, it's cool. Well, I, I take the pictures and send puts them on the flyers. I put them on the tickets. It's true. Oh, the tickets! The tickets came out really good. Did you see them? I haven't seen them yet. No. No. Yeah, we did pretty well on that. We had to make some last minute. I had to make some last minute adjustments. Uh, but uh, gotcha. Yeah, we've got to uh, pull it up real quick. Watch it. Watch it. Thank you. We've got to uh, just uh, make sure all y'all here in Denver know what we've got going on. That way you don't miss up the, the dates here. We've got a hot summer night coming out. Saturday, June 11th. That's uh, this Saturday here. Um, yep. Call time for the wrestlers is 2. We'll be there around, well, we'll be there at like, what, like 1 o'clock, maybe, maybe 11.30? Sure. <laughs> General admission fifteen dollars, underage seven, ten dollars. Uh, it's more bang for your buck. We've got an amazing roster. Don't forget, Blockbuster comes out every Saturday. And uh, man, that's all I got for this one, man. Like I'm, I'm a little pooped on this one, man. Like this was a little, like I'm, like I said, minefielders. This was heavy DC, but there wasn't too much cool coming out on Marvel that we could focus in. Like obviously, we always focus on what we can talk about when it comes to the best writing. Um, integrating the stories on this one was pretty gnarly, by the way. Yeah, this is this is good stuff. Yeah. What's canon? We don't know, but when you're doing so well that everything connects, and even like connecting the Leviathan, like that. I remember reading Leviathan and being really disappointed, but good enough that it had knew enough about it that it had the impact that his you know country was destroyed pretty much. Yeah. What do you got left, brother? No, that's it, man. I think I'm done for the night. Whose turn is it? Uh, it's all yours. Cool, guys. This is minefields. This is dangerous, and this transmission is over. Are the DVDs? 